Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Unlimited Access series, where Dr. Jones teaches on various aspects of Christian prayer. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, believers have unlimited access to dialogue with our Father in heaven. Now let's join them for today's message. We're diving into James chapter 5 and we're starting at verse 16 through 18. We're going to read, I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again in the sky, poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Today's title is Powerful Prayer. Some years ago, I had the opportunity to do some marital counseling with a couple and we were kind of talking about the issues and going through and kind of getting to some of the nitty gritty. What's some of the root problem? Something hit me to ask this particular question. And I asked the wife, I said, I said, ma'am, have you prayed about this? And she kind of looked and thought, um, no. I'm like, so this, these problems have been going on for, for, for this long, all this time, and you haven't prayed one time about it? And she was like, nah, I figured God knows what's going on so he can just fix it. And it hit me because I thought, you know what? So much we take for granted and we don't realize how powerful prayer truly is. How powerful prayer truly is. And I love the book of James, actually. The book of James is amazing because it's, it's, it's very practical when it comes to life in Christ, how we supposed to live. And in this passage, let me give a little bit of context because he's actually writing in the context of, you know, when we who are in the church are sick, you know, he was saying, hey, we need to pray about it. He said, even get the elders, you know, get some oil, elders lay hands on, let's pray. Many times, where does our mind go first? I had a pastor challenge us one time. He was, he was talking and he said, you know, you get a headache. You ever prayed about it first? And I thought about that. I said, you know what? So many times I go straight for the Advil. Straight for the Tylenol. Matter of fact, I try to be all healthy. I'm like, oh, I ain't drinking enough water. Let me start drinking water. And I start drinking all this water. And when he said that, I was thinking like, man, I love the Lord. And I don't think I've ever prayed for a headache. Because that's something we take for granted. And we don't think, and we think that might be some small things that God don't really. But at the end of the day, God may want to show us something in those moments. And the reason I bring that up is because I want us to reorient our thinking of, are we going to the Lord first with an expectancy that not only will he answer, but he is willing and able and capable to meet that need. James is talking about prayer in this passage. And there are some things that I want us to grasp and really hold dear and really understand when it comes to us in our prayer lives and what we ought to truly expect and see who God is. You know, over this time we've been in this prayer season, we talked about how we have this unlimited access. But our faith in Christ Jesus, we can come to the Father 24-7 with anything on our hearts. 
He talks about this confidence we have when we pray according to his will. And that confidence comes out of the promise that we know we have eternal life. And because we know we have eternal life in Christ Jesus, we can have that same confidence that we know he hears us when we pray according to his will. Today, I want us to grasp just how powerful this thing is. I want you to think about how powerful this thing prayer is because we can take it for granted and we can we can think God may not do much. But this passage is to encourage us to see this God we serve is almighty. And he starts off. He wants us to understand that this prayer is to be offered in faith. Now that's tough sometimes. Because sometimes life throws things at us to where doubt reigns on high. You know, we want God, but we don't think, we, don't, we want God to do it, but we really don't think he is. So we, 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 we go back to that old mode of what I talked about earlier a few weeks ago when I talked about how we can use the name of Jesus kind of like hocus pocus, abracadabra. I mean, if I just say the words, I really don't believe it, but if I just say it, then maybe God will move. In this passage, he wants us to understand that this prayer is to be offered in faith. You see this starting back in chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, he says this. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man and unstable in his ways. So what he's saying is, we come to God, God wants us to come to him trusting who he is and trusting the relationship we have with him. He wants us to trust him at his word. So when we come to him, we come with faith. We come that I am confident God will bring it to pass. Now, this is not separated from what we talked about a couple weeks ago when we talked about according to his will. Meaning, as we grow in relationship with our God, you know, our hearts become more like him. The scripture talks about how we're being conformed into the image of his son. The more Christ-like we come, the more our desires become his, the more we have this confidence knowing that I am praying what God actually wants. Now, you know how amazing it will be to want what God wants? Most of our frustrations come, we want what God doesn't want. We say yes, God says no, now we're mad. But think about God saying yes, and that's actually what I want as well. James wants us to understand that this prayer went offered in faith. This prayer is powerful, y'all. It's able to do some things that will blow our minds. But let's be, let's be, let's be honest about it, man. We we human, right? We're human. We have on this skin. We have on this flesh. We, we bleed. You know, we, things don't always go according to plan. Sometimes we, we misunderstand. Sometimes we think God wants us to do this, and we think God wants that, and then it doesn't happen, and sometimes we can doubt. There's, a, there's this scripture that I, I, I want us to look at real quick. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 9. I want you to go to Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 20. This, this, this brings me a lot of comfort. That's why I want, you to, I want you to have this because this comforts me, all right? This, this guy reminds me of me sometimes. And this, this helps me to let me know that the Lord and his sovereignty put this into the scriptures so that we can be encouraged by this historical account right here. It says, they brought the boy to him. When he saw him, 
Immediately the spirit threw him into convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. So this is a little boy that, that got a demon. And he asked his father, Jesus asked the father, said, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, that's funny to me. Is that funny to y'all? That, oh, no, that gets me. The dude asked Jesus, if you can, take pity. And Jesus responded, if, if you can. He said, if you can. He said, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the, the boy's father cried out and said, this is me. I do believe. Help my unbelief. That encourages me. Because there are times in my life where I'm like, I believe Jesus, but help my unbelief, Lord. Because I, I, I actually have the willing to believe. I have the desire to believe wholeheartedly. I want to believe 100. But man, if I'm, if I'm true for God and you know me, I can't lie to you, Lord. Help me even in my unbelief because about, about 20% of me, Lord, really about 55% of me, I'm kind of doubting. The dude says, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus is faithful. You keep reading the story. Jesus heals the guy, the little boy. What I love is that in the story, Jesus knows where the guy is. Jesus wants to communicate that all things are possible with faith. And Jesus communicates to him in his action that I'm going to even meet you at your unbelief because you're trusting me even with that. Look, we have to be honest. Sometimes when I talk about being specific in your prayers, that means even to the point of saying, God, okay, I'm being specific as I can. And on the end of it, Lord, help me because I'm kind of not even believing you care. This prayer is to be offered in faith. We ought to trust it. But then we got to admit sometimes, Lord, even help me in my unbelief. That's why I talk about being specific in our prayers. And the reason we do so is so that we can recognize God's hand when he answers. And I say this week in and week out, and I'm going to keep saying it. Be specific in your prayer so that you can recognize when God moves. Sometimes we don't recognize God because we've been so general and we take it for granted and we think, oh, it just happened. Oh, that's just ironic. But we be specific and we see God move specifically. Now that moves from just a feel good to a testimony to encourage somebody else so somebody else may know how faithful God is. One of the things I love about the body of Christ is this. Sometimes we can get discouraged in our own lives because we're not gathering together and we're not coming together and we're not talking with one another that we miss what God is doing in the world. But sometimes it takes just those moments when we're talking and we're, we're meeting together and we're praying and we're not seeing God move. And then somebody else shares a testimony of how God answered their prayers and after they answered their prayers specifically. And we see, oh, God is at work. God is moving. And we can glorify God. And it gives us an encouragement all the more to trust him that God also hears me because I'm his child, too. This prayer will be offered in faith and we want to recognize when God is moving. And the reason our confidence is high is this, because he talks about the prayer of the righteous. In verse 16, in in his B section, he says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We hope this message is blessing you today. Before we continue, we want you to know about Point Ministry resources. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L. 
jonesorg and subscribe to receive our Refuel devotional and view other discipleship materials. Our goal is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. My favorite scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.21. My favorite scripture. Because it sums up everything. It says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, it's the great exchange. There's been an exchange of my sin onto Christ on the cross and his righteousness by faith onto me. So that when I stand before God at the judgment, that not only is he looking at me, but then he sees his son. I, I love it. It's almost like it's not just like this. So I don't want to ca- make a caricature, but it's like, you know, you stand before a judge and they about to sentence you. And then, you know, you got the father. He's standing there and he about to sentence you. And then Jesus step in and say, OK, all right, uh, look at me, daddy. It's the great exchange, meaning his righteousness. I mean, we can't earn it. We can't deserve it. That's why we celebrate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because he has saved us from our sins and we not ourselves. That's why we celebrate. That's why we come in on Sunday mornings. That's why we lift up these songs. That's why we dive into the scripture. Why? Because we're celebrating what God has done. And there's actually some good things that come out of this. There's some privileges that come out of this. And one is our prayer life is powerful because we've been deemed righteous we've been made children of God by faith because we have been made sons and daughters of the most high God of the of 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 the Savior of the Lord because of that relationship we have privileges that he's promised because of our relationship and connection with him meaning if that is not true meaning if you have not placed that faith there is no guaranteed privilege or promise that you will receive what you ask from the father but if you are his child there is an expectation based on his promises based on his word based on his faithfulness that he hears you and will answer and i say this thing is powerful because <laughs> I, 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 and this is something I, I don't want you to miss because he connects this this prayer and this powerful prayer to this confession and I don't want us to miss this because he's talking about confessing our sins to one another and praying for one another so that we be healed and then he goes into this effective prayer meaning you know there, there's this understanding of that you know, we, we come to the Lord with, with clean hands. We come to the Lord, you know, with, with, with transparency. We're not hiding anything. We're not, we're not holding anything back. We're not holding anything against my neighbor. Meaning, if I'm sitting here harboring hate and bitterness against you, and then I'm praying to the Lord, God is like, oh, you need to deal with that first. You got to handle that first. Don't come to me with this, and you want me to grant you your request, but you're still harboring whatever that is you're harboring unforgiveness he says no i want you to come clean see it's very important that our our, our motives are in the right place it's very important that our our hearts in the right place i remember i heard one one older gentleman he talked about man our our prayers are only as good as our motives y'all our prayers are attached to our confession so we come with clean hearts and we come, we come with clean hands and we understand that we've been made right with God. 
That's why we're called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Make sure that your, your hearts appear when you come before the Lord. And what I mean by that is, get stuff right. Don't hold on to stuff. If, if you're married and you got into it with your spouse, get, get that right. Get that right. Pray together. And if you're having a hard time, hold your spouse's hand and say, God, help me because I'm still mad. But God wants us to come to him as such, with such expectancy. And by doing so, he paints this picture in the scripture of how powerful this prayer is, y'all. I talked about motives because in James 4.3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. When I said our prayers are only good as our motives, is that, you know, we're not going to get over on God like we get over on people. Right? You know, we, we can con people. We can trick people. You're not going to trick God. God knows your heart. God knows what you're thinking. God knows your plans. That's why he attaches this prayer with this confession. He wants you coming clean. This powerful prayer. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know what he's saying? You know, you look at Elijah's story, Elijah fought what we would call today depression. You know, he had a mighty victory. He saw God move in a mighty way and then went and hid under a tree and was sad and depressed. And it's like, hold on, you God just like showed you who he was on your behalf and you depressed. Like a lot of these people were like us. When he says Elijah with like a nature like ours, he wants us to know. Now, when I tell you this, when I give you this example, I want you to understand this is not no superhero type of guy. This is a person that is a human being just like you and I. We recognize what God did. It says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for three years and six months. Then he prayed again and the sky poured out rain and the earth produced his fruit. Isn't that amazing? Look, we had these biblical accounts where God answers prayer, where, you know, Peter's in jail and the saints, are, the brothers and sisters in Christ are praying. The saints are praying and then all of a sudden an angel come and rescue him. You know, we got Paul and Silas in, 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 in chains and they praying and, and worshiping God in jail. And all of a sudden it's an earthquake and the chains break and then they, you know, it's like amazing. But I love this example he pulls from. James pulls from an example that is straight up supernatural. In 1 Kings 17, 1, and in 18, 1, and in 41 through 45, you'll see these crowds. The northern kingdom uh, was straight idolatry, worshiping false gods, had kicked the covenant of God to the curb and was just doing their own things, living in all types of uh, sexual immorality, injustices, treating people poorly, uh, the rich getting, you know, certain benefits, just, I mean, all kind of stuff. All kind of stuff. They weren't, the word of God was irrelevant. Sounds, sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Um, and, and the prophet came <laughs> before the king and his queen Jezebel and Ahaz and said and prayed. It was like, because of your unfaithfulness, uh, no more rain. And then walks out. And it's missing. Now they mad because for three years and six months, it's not raining. Meaning that, that affects everything, doesn't it? And it doesn't rain for three years and six months. 
See, he's using this example because this is powerful. Now, we don't think about prayers like that, do we? You know, we think about, we, we know, we just praying that rent get paid next month, you know, and then doubting that. And he's using an example. He was like, look, this is the same God that shut up the sky based off the prayers of a man who trusted God. And he's, and he's letting them know this is the same God I'm telling you to be praying to and, and trusting with a clean heart, with, with good motives. And trust him based off your relationship with him. He's pulling from an amazing supernatural story to remind you who your God is. If this God can shut up the sky for three years and six months and then the prophet prays again and then it rains and the fruit is produced, the earth produces its fruit. uh, What part of your life can he not handle? What part of your life, like what problem do you have that he can't fix? What relationship that is so broken that he can't restore and reconcile? Is there anything impossible for the Lord, the scripture asks? It's a rhetorical question because the answer is no. There's nothing that's impossible for him. But we have to trust. That's why in 2 Chronicles that famous scripture when he told the nation, the, the people of God, he says, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and will heal their land. He was calling for that nation. He was calling for the people of God to repent so that the world would know, the world would see how awesome he is. I would argue the same is true today that God is sitting here and he's like, hey family like I, I i need y'all to i need y'all to trust me the world sure ain't gonna trust me if you're not trusting me the people that don't know me will definitely not know the true me and who i am and my love and my joy if you're not trusting me and he says look i want y'all to turn from that and turn back to me i need y'all to humble yourselves quit being too proud and doing your own thing humble yourselves and he says look turn from your wicked ways and, and, and pray Notice the order is humility, turn from your wicked ways, and then pray. Some of us, we like to stay in our wicked ways, and we stay proud, and we pray, and like God got to, and we think we control God. I've heard blasphemous things from certain TV preachers. I heard one TV preacher say on, on TV, he said, God cannot do anything on the earth without our permission. And I'm like, what Bible is he reading? If that's the truth, God is no longer God. God can do what he wants and tell me to shut up. Why? Because he's God. We hear these things and we see these things and I'm always in telling people, get back into your word. Dive into your scripture. God has communicated to us and he wants us to know he is in charge. He is sovereign, yet he is an awesome and good and loving God. And he wants us to experience him in ways that will blow our minds if we trust him. See, this, this prayer thing is powerful. You know, one thing that always amazes me about kids is when they hit that age and they, they want to be more independent. You know, the kid was, you know, the little boy was trying to put the milk back up and the daddy just sitting there looking at him like, see, I, I need him to learn a lesson. He's sitting there struggling, struggling, struggling. Finally, got, he got that milk right up on the shelf only to right when he was going to do that last push, it just slipped off. Bow, milk all over the floor. 
Now he's trying to clean it up. And the daddy just kind of peeking around the corner, looking at him. He, he don't want daddy to catch him. And he, he getting the napkins and he getting the paper towels and he getting stuff and he trying to clean it up. And the daddy come around and he like, son, what's going on? And he like, nothing, nothing. He like, son, what, what you doing? And he like, dad, I, I, I messed up and I'm trying to clean it up. And he's like, I had to do was ask me in the first place and I'd have put the milk up for you. All you do was ask. See, sometimes we're like that kid. When we're trying to prove how strong we are, how independent we are, we try to prove how spiritually mature we are, and we fail to ask our Father only to make a mess of things, only to leave ourselves trying to clean it up and making a worse mess, when instead we got a loving Father that's standing back, and all he's wanting to do is ask me. Just talk to me. My Father is not one who we need to be afraid of. We do fear him because he is God. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. I mean, it's a supreme respect. We don't play with him. But as such, because we have this unlimited access, because Jesus is our high priest, and he's passed through the heavens, and we can go before our God, we can go to him with anything. And we know that there is nothing that he cannot do. If he could close up the sky for three years and six months, how much more could he do in your life today? You are new covenant people of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And he is in the business of putting his glory and his dominion on display. And he wants to do it through each of us. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Unlimited Access series where we learn what prayer is and how to strengthen our prayer life. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Unlimited Access series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.